most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, May 19th, 2022, the 484th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we start the show, I just want to remind you all about the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, and his great American manufacturing company, MyPillow. You can go to MyPillow.com right now. Use the promo code REASONABLE. And get up to 60% off all sorts of items across the MyPillow store. There's a bunch of buy one, get one free offers. And you'll get a free gift with your purchase. So make your bed more comfortable. Make your feet more comfortable. Make your whole life more comfortable. Go to MyPillow.com. Promo code REASONABLE. You will be supporting this show. You'll be supporting the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, and his great American manufacturing company, MyPillow. MyPillow.com, promo code REASONABLE. So I mentioned the other day that I was not spending a lot of time on the Buffalo shooter narrative because it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. I said to a friend on Monday night that it looked to me like the Buffalo shooter narrative could be over completely by Thursday. Well, today's Thursday. Last night I get on CNN.com. You know, you check out what the front page is, see what stories they're trying to draw people's attention to. You get a pretty good idea of what the mainstream is trying to sell the child brains at any given moment. There was one tiny little article over in the right column, not even in bold print, about the Buffalo shooter. Right now, they have one picture, three little articles. They're giving analysis continuing to shape the narrative, but it's already pretty much collapsed. CNN is not even pushing the Buffalo shooter narrative five days after it happened. And there's a reason for that, because it's not getting them what they want. I said the other day that an event didn't have to be completely fake to be a false flag. There can be an underlying real event, but the narrative is twisted and shaped to promote a certain belief or a point of view that supports their overall agenda. And they certainly tried that. Joe Biden traveled to Buffalo to mumble to Western New Yorkers about how bad Republicans were. They were responsible for it. Tucker Carlson was responsible for it. Even though the guy is a hard leftist, is down with the green agenda, totally scared of COVID and super into the same symbols that the Ukrainian army is into that whole Nazi black sun thing. But they thought they would be able to make some headway on the gun grab narrative. They're talking about long guns again. Oh my God, that gun is so long, much scarier as if the length of the gun is what causes all the danger. The FBI and law enforcement knew about this kid a year ago that he had threatened to shoot up his classmates, but they just didn't realize he was going to use a long gun to do it. So it's not their fault. Nothing weird's going on over there. And of course, the governor of New York and other Democrat communists said we needed to do more to police the internet. We need more censorship. Otherwise, things like this will happen. If you don't support censorship, apparently you support a whole lot more death. 
And that's exactly the same tactic they used during 2020 with the COVID thing. You say masks don't work. Well, you're trying to kill grandma. You're opposed to lockdowns. You want your job back. Just think about how many grandmothers you might kill. Oh, you don't want to take an experimental gene therapy that doesn't prevent you from getting or spreading the coronavirus. How are you going to save anyone's grandmother with that attitude? And of course, it's always that. Always more of the same. Emotionally triggering outcomes for you not agreeing with them. And of course, they tried that here as well. If you disagree with our narrative about this Buffalo shooting, if you argue that it wasn't Tucker Carlson's fault, if you tell people that the shooter was actually a leftist, well, then you're racist and don't care about white supremacist violence. Now, I would say, hey, commies, you say you care very much about white supremacist violence. In fact, you call this domestic terrorism. But if that's true, why are you lying about it, right? If this is what that is and you want to solve the problem, isn't the best way to solve the problem first by truthfully and correctly outlining what the problem is so you can think about possible solutions? But no, that would make no sense. You just need to reshape the problem into whatever supports your narrative. You've been trying to censor everything and everyone for years, and now there's a shooting. What's the solution? Oh, more censorship. Got it. It's not a plan. It's not exploiting a tragic incident. It's just realizing that, oh, here's another problem that can surely be solved by censorship. And listen, if the problem's not solved, at least we don't have to hear from all those people who might point out, hey, the problem's not solved. And I talked a little bit about this yesterday when I was discussing Taylor Lorenz's article on Nina Jankowitz, who is the person resigning as the director of the Ministry of Truth under DHS. Taylor Lorenz was lamenting the fact that there had been no public push in support of Nina Jankowitz, and she blamed this on the fake administration. I said, well, yes, of course, the fake administration can't actually support anything. But the reason there's no public pushback in favor of Nina Jankowitz is because the public doesn't agree with Nina Jankowitz and doesn't agree with having a ministry of truth. They don't actually want more censorship for everyone. That only exists inside the Twitter bubble. And I'm going to talk more about that in a second. But there's no groundswell of support for any of this ideology. It decreases by the day. And you can see that playing out in the real world when you notice a narrative that they seem to care so much about. It just vanishes. People aren't going along with it. If they were, the media and the communists would keep hammering. These incidents are sad. They're tragic. I'm with you on all of that. But the media and the Democrats wanted this to be an ongoing issue. This is not the sort of event they expect to fall apart in four or five days. They're supposed to reap the rewards of this event by consolidating more power and more control over the population, which will eventually lead to the further oppression of the population and the further empowerment of the most powerful people in the entire world. That's the point of all this stuff. The audience out there, the child brains, the Biden voters who don't realize what a moral crisis they have introduced into their own lives. They are more than happy to go along with the central narrative and broadcast all of the slogans out to whoever will listen because they expect the same rewards and benefits. They want to increase attention on themselves. I'm the one with all the right thoughts and the right beliefs and the right opinions. Focus on me. I'm telling you about all these white supremacists out there. I'm telling you how bad guns are. 
I'm telling you how this was Tucker Carlson's fault, even though I don't watch Tucker Carlson and didn't read the manifesto and don't know anything about the incident whatsoever. And for all that, they get tons and tons of likes and comments, probably from bots, but they don't know. They don't care. They care about the image. But when those rewards go away, when the rest of the culture actually doesn't give them the positive feedback they expected, they stop supporting the narrative because they didn't actually care in the first place. They were pretending to care. They were publicly displaying that they are the sort of person who cares about this sort of thing and they should be rewarded for it. As soon as the rewards dry up, they stop pretending to care. They don't care about the actual event in the least. They don't care about the details. They don't care about what it means. And they don't care about the fact that their media and the politicians they support and the culture in which they hope to gain status is all a lie. It's all lying directly to them. They are only responding to incentives. There's no principle. There's no underlying morality. They respond to incentives. The goal is attention. Attention equals status, equals money, equals power. And that's one of the most interesting things about this whole Twitter bot situation. Because as this phenomenon gains attention within the public narrative and more people begin to understand just how much algorithms and bots and AstroTurf accounts like that Brooklyn dad defiant clown actually shape the narrative and enforce one viewpoint. It is all set up for that. Okay. I've said many times Twitter is the death star in the information war. And rather than simply destroying that, the power of the global communists to control that death star is being taken away. And exactly what that Death Star is, is being exposed to everyone. Because the ability of social media platforms to shift the public consciousness is eroded as the public begins to understand that what is being presented to them is totally false. And I wonder if we might see at some point some effort in earnest to strip all of the bots from Twitter, right? They could do this if they want. They express that they do it constantly, but we know that's not true. If they did it constantly, they wouldn't have the number of bots they have. Again, Joe Biden's account is 50% bots. He doesn't even have 20 million real followers. Now imagine how many other influential communist accounts are like that. And it's the illusion of popularity that gives them the authority to say the things they say and be taken seriously. People are taken seriously because they have a blue check mark next to their name. And I played that clip last week from Nina Jankowitz, where she was talking about how Blue Anon, the blue check mark people on Twitter, they should be able to edit tweets on the site, like remove other people's tweets if they are spreading misinformation or disinformation or malinformation, however it's defined by the blue checkmark people. That blue checkmark is the membership in the club of deciders. And the people with that blue checkmark were granted that blue checkmark by an organization whose own employees talk about how communist the organization is how no one really shows up to work, how no one cares about making a profit and how it's actually necessary for Twitter to censor people so that the correct messaging goes out from their platform. And we talk about what it would be like if liberals just started popping up all over Truth Social, how their experience will be different, how no one is going to actually let them get away with all the nonsense they say, how they can't just hide other people's opinions and pretend that no one else has a counterpoint. They would lose their minds on Twitter if all the bots were gone. They are used to being approved of 
at all times. And a huge portion of that approval is completely false, completely fake. But with that approval, they feel empowered to keep doing the thing they're doing. They keep getting rewarded for doing it. You get popular enough online and then you start being financially incentivized by various brands or even directly by the government to put out the messages they want you to put out. And you can't put out anything that disputes those messages. Otherwise, the money dries up. So look at that, influencers and celebrities. The communists bought your total and complete complicity as a useful idiot forever because you like the easy money. And many of you know that over the last couple of years, I've talked quite a bit about this moment where they will actually have to face reality for the first time, that people don't agree with all their nonsense. There is no woke communist majority in this country. It is actually a very, very tiny minority, particularly the people who are online being rabidly vocal about all this stuff to the point where they will attack anyone who disagrees with them. All of that is coming from a very, very tiny minority who is incentivized to express those opinions. And each and every one of them are on a mission to climb the ladder within the party of false decorum. They're going to acquire status and wealth and power and more attention, more approval by doing whatever the state demands. And they believe that they are appealing to a wide audience of people who are actually giving them their moral support, their thoughtful support, when really they're just bouncing these ideas around an echo chamber and everyone who agrees with them is doing so because they're incentivized to agree with them, too. And then below that class of useful idiots, of course, you just have normal child brains who can't think about honestly anything as an adult in two years with the two greatest concurrent crises in American history, they still have not once stopped to consider that they might be wrong about any of it. And the strangest thing is, many of them actually accept that at many various points, they were wrong about some certain thing that they just repeated off the television. But even once they understand that, they don't take it out on the people telling them things on the television. They don't ever think, man, I shouldn't trust those people. They only think, well, you know, my real purpose here is to make sure that no one pays attention to conspiracy theorists. And hey, if the conspiracy theorists are right every now and then, or maybe even all the time, it doesn't matter because the conspiracy theorists are the real danger. Not the people on TV who constantly lead me to the wrong conclusions and make me look like an absolute moron in public all the time. But hey, commies, it was always going this direction and literally everybody tried to warn you, including and especially this guy. Now, I obviously don't know if the stripping of bots from Twitter is going to be something that happens anytime soon. There's no timeline for that, but. Consider what's happening now and the narrative move. People are going to begin figuring this stuff out for themselves. And that realization in thought process is a perfect parallel to the realization that Joe Biden did not get anywhere near 81 million real legal American votes. It's the realization that, wow, society actually doesn't agree with the position I hold, you have to understand that all of these people who are in the party of false decorum, who are expressing their beliefs and living in a way that promotes their own wealth and status and power based on their ability to repeat the slogans that continue to support the wealth and status and power in this world. All of that is premised on the idea that their positions, while they don't know what actually makes up their positions and they haven't considered the morality of those positions, must be accepted because they are the opinion of the majority. If any of their beliefs get proven wrong or proven immoral, they believe they can simply hide behind the, the force shield that being in the majority presents. Well, yeah, everybody believed that, though. 
I wasn't particularly wrong because everybody believed the thing I believed. Well, here's the thing, commies. That's not true. It also was not ever true. You have been supporting almost exclusively wrong positions based on exclusively false premises. And there is no majority support for your positions. The majority in every way is an illusion. And that's why they talk so consistently about things like the national popular vote. The national popular vote isn't a thing. I mean, yeah, you can add all the numbers up and present them that way. But they're using that as a justification for them wielding power as if they had a real mandate from the people. That mandate is enforced through the presentation of the false reality and the presentation of a false vote. And I've said many times, election fraud does not only skew the outcome of elections. It also skews the way people view their nation and the people of their nation. In 2016, there were about 131 million votes total. And in 2020, Donald Trump went up 12 million votes from about 63 million to 74, 75 million, 11 million or 12 million votes increase. And we know countless votes were thrown away and changed and whatever. But we can safely assume that Trump's total isn't inflated, right? They didn't give Trump extra votes. So he has at least 74, 75 million votes. If the voting populace was the same size as in 2016, that would mean that Joe Biden couldn't have gotten more than 55 million votes. And instead, we're told that he got 81 million. And of course, that's preposterous. And it's no coincidence that this happened in the election where states sent out millions and millions and millions of absentee ballots, mail-in ballots to everyone on their voter registries, regardless of whether or not those people were active voters. We got fake ballots all over the place. We got trafficked ballots, harvested ballots. All those ballots are illegal and should not be assumed to represent a real voter. The Democrat majority is a complete and total myth. And because people in the party of false decorum believe and act in a way that relies on the existence of that false majority, when that false majority, when that illusion just fades, well, their whole belief system crumbles. And it seems to me like we are rapidly approaching that moment. Now, right as I was wrapping up the show yesterday, Elon Musk tweeted one of the most powerful tweets I could possibly imagine. In the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, but they have become the party of division and hate. So I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. And he put a little popcorn emoji. Now that tweet is powerful for a bunch of reasons. The first of which is that Elon Musk has an enormous following and everyone is hanging on every word he says right now. A big portion of that following are total uniparty supporters of globalists, of the technocracy. They're all about Tesla. They're all about their green agenda. Elon Musk has been one of their heroes. They think it's fascinating that he wants to go to space. They want to talk endlessly about simulation theory. A lot of those people who are obsessed with Elon Musk voted for Joe Biden and have supported all of this all along because at root, they are nihilists and they follow the science. They trust the experts. There is nothing after any of this. There is no point to any of it. The only point is for you to acquire wealth and status and power so that you can be comfortable for the rest of your life and spend it on a permanent vacation where you never care about anything for real, but you ostensibly care about everything ever. These are the very people that worship Elon Musk, and certainly they follow him on Twitter. 
So putting this message in front of people like that is really significant. Now they can't ignore this idea anymore. They've heard this idea from other people. I was saying this to Hollywood in 2020. I've been saying for a long time that the COVID response was the greatest moral, political, and scientific disaster in human history. And I've talked for a very long time about the collectivist ideology. That is the foundation of everything they believe. They divide people into identity groups. They assign which groups are the oppressors, which groups are the victims. And then they tell the victims that they're going to save them. And every time they fail to help one of the groups, they just say it's because the other group prevented us from helping. So what we need is more power and then we'll help you. If you guys can just continue giving us more power, I swear that one day we are going to kill that dragon that we are telling you lives in the cave right next to your house. But don't go check. Trust us. It's there. If you go check and you find out it's not there, it's probably just on vacation. It'll be right back. You got to trust us. You got to follow the science. You got to trust the experts. There's a dragon next door. If you don't want to be saved, fine, vote for the dragon. But otherwise, you got to vote for us. It is always about division. And with that division, they feel empowered to express hate toward the groups that have been labeled oppressors. And we have seen that taking shape over the last, let's say, 14 years, probably right about the time where Obama was campaigning for president. And we have now reached the point where any idea that disagrees with the global communist agenda is classified as a view from the other side, and they will connect as many associations as possible to say that that idea that disagrees with the global communist narrative or any version of that idea that anyone expresses or even any instance where people choose not to disavow that idea. All of that is conspiracy theory. All of it is white supremacy. All of it is homophobia. All of it is anti-vax and science denying, and they wrap it all up in one nice little ball. And now they call it mostly QAnon or white supremacy. They have their baselines that they always will tie things back to. It's got to be one of those bad things. And everything that disagrees with them will eventually go all the way down the chain until anyone who disagrees with them is the worst person ever and must be destroyed. It's okay to commit violence against them. It's okay to medically experiment on them against their will. It's okay to take them out of their jobs, to ruin their careers. And it's okay to take their children away from them if they don't express the right views. And ultimately, the group of people they go after is always the same. It's anyone who doesn't agree with them, anyone who won't repeat the slogans when called upon. And the hate is self-justifying. A person is a bad person because they want to audit elections, for instance, because auditing elections is something wanted by the bad people. If something is said by the bad people, whatever they said is wrong because it, it comes from the mind of a bad person. And then anyone else who expresses some version of that is likewise a bad person. It is a hate movement. And this is why I've been saying for a long time that these Biden voters, these people in the party of false decorum, they have grown more and more extreme in their views, in what they allow, in what they support. They have walked themselves into a hate movement. Collectivist ideologies always take this path. They exist on breeding hate. It is the only way it works. And when they believe they have successfully eliminated one of the groups targeted for hate, they will divide again and then target a group that formerly thought it was on the good side. So you've got to begin to wonder when it is that they will turn their attention on black and Hispanic Americans who are now coming to the America First movement. They've relied for a long time 
on the idea that black Americans and Hispanic Americans, any minority Americans will vote Democrat. And obviously that's based on their skin color. So when people of that skin color no longer align with their belief system, what are they going to do? You can imagine they will divide once again and then set about to destroy those groups as well, which makes complete and total sense for the party whose ideology led them to being the party of slavery, the party of the Confederacy, the party of the KKK, the party who filibustered the Civil Rights Act, the party of Jim Crow, the party of urban decay, the party of election fraud, the party of Joe Biden's 90s crime bill, and the party that believed it was solving racism by voting for a man who was mentored in politics for decades by a grand Klegel and exalted Cyclops of the Klan. It is in every way a hate movement, and it's excellent that Elon Musk is calling it out. These things should be recognized for what they are. You know, there's that old cliche. It's been memed. It's probably a quote from a famous person, and I just don't know it. But the idea that whatever you're doing now, whoever you are now, this is who you would have been in Germany in World War II. And I wrote about this in my Who is at Q series that's available on my Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com. But think about what this party and what this movement has supported just in the last couple of years. Supported or enabled, let's say, or facilitated. Maybe that's a better word. Terrorism, biological warfare, psychological warfare, drug trafficking, human trafficking, child sex trafficking, spying, tracking, modern slavery, active concentration camps, intentional medical malpractice, mass censorship and propaganda, false flags, wars of choice and convenience, child torture and sexual abuse, ritual worship of the material world, and reimagining of the elite self as a god of this realm, and of course, the quest for immortality. All of these things are easily supportable with examples from the real world reported in mainstream outlets. All right. They're not conspiracy theories from the dark corners of the Internet. And not only are they aspects of what's happening now, they're also things that happened back then. They argue in favor of censorship, of the elimination of their political opponents, the forced medical experimentation on babies. They argue for abortion after birth. They argued for a Supreme Court justice who was lenient on pedophiles who then went out and offended again. The fact that they are currently supporting actual Nazis in Ukraine is only the latest example of something they have supported that the Nazis did as well. And it's about damn time someone with a platform this size, who's not Donald Trump, said it to this public and said it to a group of people that actually need to hear it. You know, it's real easy for them to tune out Donald Trump because Donald Trump is a no-no person and they're busy reclassifying Elon Musk as a no-no person. Obviously, I'm not denying that or avoiding that. But there's still a big chunk of people in there who take Elon Musk very seriously, and they've been big fans of Elon Musk for a long time. They're not just going to dismiss him in two seconds. As far as I'm concerned, this is huge. I made a video back when I was still on Instagram. This was in 2020, and I think maybe it's on Rumble. I'll have to check. But the message of that video is not only am I not voting Democrat anymore, I am going to actively oppose everything Democrats do for the rest of my life, okay? Because the ideology itself is sick. Now it's been exposed. Now you can see what it really is. They are not a party about workers' rights. They are not a party that represents the interests of workers against the interests of corporations. That is ostensibly what unions are for, but unions actually don't do that either. Unions support the corporation at the expense of the workers. All of this stuff has been inverted.
Hopefully, Elon Musk's tweet will lead more people to this realization. So how do the communists respond? How do they attack Elon Musk? This is from the Digital Journal yesterday. Tesla removed from S&P 500 ESG index over autopilot and racial discrimination claims. S&P Dow Jones indices has removed electric car maker Tesla Incorporated from its widely followed S&P 500 ESG index, citing issues including racial discrimination claims against the company and its handling of a government investigation after crashes linked to its autopilot vehicles. S&P Dow Jones indices removed the electric car maker from the S&P 500 ESG index on May 2nd. The company announced in a blog post on Wednesday, according to the Daily Mail, it appears the S&P 500 ESG index has undergone its fourth annual rebalance. This was explained in a blog post. The ESG stands for environmental, social and governance criteria used by, quote, socially conscious investors when deciding where to put their money, according to Investopedia. And so this is like the Chinese social credit system. This is something that they are, that the global communists are introducing worldwide. This is world economic forum style stuff. They want to be able to harm any company that doesn't go along with the agenda. And this is exactly how they'll do it. And obviously taking it for granted that stuff like this is terrible. This is still the stuff I love to see happen. The stuff I love to see come out in the news, the stuff that people really have to deal with. What is an ESG score? This is an opportunity for a range of globalist organizations to attempt to destroy any company at any point based on claims and based on anything they can reconstrue as something that may be harming the world. Oh, we've decided that the thing you're doing is harming the world we want to see. So you're not allowed to do it anymore. And in fact, we're going to do our best to destroy your company completely, unless you want to comply. If you want to comply, then you can still be in the club, you know, but you're going to have to make up for this and you're going to have to keep making up for it for a long time or else we're just going to go throw this thing right back at you again and shut you down. And the realization that should come from this, not that it will, is that once they have made it a normal thing to do this to corporations, they're going to do it to you the individual. You ate too much steak? Well, now it's bugs. You drove too far? Well, we're going to have to stop that. We can't have your car polluting the atmosphere. Now, if you drove an electric car, that would be different. We won't have to punish you for the environmental impact. But the thing is, if you say the wrong thing on social media or you associate with the wrong people, well, then we're just going to turn your car off. But we will keep in mind that you obeyed us on getting an electric car. That was very helpful. Just don't get a Tesla because Teslas are no good. If you buy a Tesla instead of another electric car, well, we might have to cut off access to your money. You're not up on your vaccine subscription. Well, you know what? We totally understand your right to make a free choice about what goes into your body. But the thing is, you're endangering your child. So now we're going to take your child away. This is the world they want. This is the world I have been telling you they want for a couple of years. And so many people before me were telling me and everyone else for decades before that. And we all ignored it. I know, speaking for myself, I ignored it. I thought, ah, that's silly. Things are going along just fine. They'll probably keep going along just fine. And if they don't keep going along just fine, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And it won't be my fault because I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. But here it is. It is taking shape. It is taking shape right in front of you. Next week, representatives of our fake administration are going to be in Europe making agreements with countries of the rest of the world, which are only stand-ins for the World Economic Forum and their agenda. All these countries are pushing the same agenda, and they are coming to agreements about how they will control the population's of their country based on that agenda. They are trying to give up American sovereignty to the WHO next week. Where do you think this is going? Everything that gets applied to the country 
and gets applied to the corporation, to the company, will eventually be applied to the individual. This is a path toward the end of human freedom. And by the way, it is also a path toward the end of human freedom for the people who are in the club. And I'm not even talking about all the clownish celebrities and influencers and athletes and all that, all the useful idiots out there. I'm not talking about them. They are not in the club. Okay. They think they're in the club. They're going to find out they're wrong. There are people currently in the club right now who, if they got their way and the club actually succeeded in this, they still have to repeat the slogans and empower the state at all times to remain in the club or they will simply be kicked out of the club. They will become one of everyone else and they'll find the world no longer works for their benefit anymore. These days are coming, but these people will not realize until their own lives are destroyed by the very policies they have supported. And that moment apparently hasn't come yet. But let's get back to this ESG article. Keep in mind that Tesla is still listed on the regular S&P 500 index, which measures the largest companies in the U.S. by market capitalization. However, the index provider cited various issues at Tesla that significantly lowered its ESG score, including racial discrimination claims, poor working conditions, and its handling of a government investigation after crashes linked to its self-driving cars. Reuters points out that internal issues and a lack of disclosures relative to industry peers should raise concerns for investors looking to judge the company across environmental, social, and governance criteria. And so really, this is just a PR scheme created by the World Economic Forum to make companies follow their social guidelines. They have to implement the global communist agenda in their companies. And while a representative from the electric car company did not immediately respond to the story, Elon Musk took to Twitter on Wednesday saying that ESG is a scam. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. He also said in that tweet, Exxon is rated top 10 best in the world for environmental, social and governance by S&P 500, while Tesla didn't make the list. So one of the oil companies that the communists are currently very mad about because they operate in fossil fuels. They're one of the top 10 ESG companies, but Tesla is not one of the top 500. So they create the framework. They create the rules. They rank companies based on the framework they've created. And then they create violations to force that company's compliance. And the carrot, obviously, is that the more a company complies, the more they will be rewarded ostensibly by investors. And of course, they are relying on institutional investment, and those institutions are aligned with the World Economic Forum agenda. Individual investors, normal people, don't actually care about the ESG score. But as investments shift in power away from the individual and toward the institution, this sort of stuff has major impact. It lowers institutional investment and it's bad for PR. And that's why they do it. It's not that Tesla is a bad company. It's that Tesla is a bad company relative to what the most powerful people in the world want it to do. And maybe you'll say, I don't trust Elon Musk. Maybe this is all a smokescreen. Fine. Relevant viewpoint. You may be right. Let's see what shakes out. The removal of Tesla was among a group of changes made to the S&P 500 ESG index dating from April 22nd, according to the announcement. Among the additions to the index at the same time was Twitter Incorporated, the social media platform which Musk has an agreement to purchase. At the same time, Tesla's stock has fallen by nearly 29% in the past month after founder and CEO Elon Musk announced plans to buy Twitter for $44 billion. So this is clearly a coordinated attack to reduce the value of Tesla and take power away from Elon Musk and influence his ability to affect Twitter, the information weapon. Is any of this how the system should work? Is this moral? Is it just? Is it right? No, of course not. But this is what we have as a society allowed to build around us. And now... Twitter has 
a new policy about misinformation. They posted a blog on blog.twitter.com this morning. The headline is introducing our crisis misinformation policy. Around the world, people use Twitter to find reliable information in real time. During periods of crisis, such as situations of armed conflict, public health emergencies and large scale natural disasters, access to credible, authoritative information and resources is all the more critical. All right. So the premise here is that what we need in the world is correct and reliable information and not the free flow of information so that good information can be discerned in a free marketplace of ideas. And I wrote about this at length in the Who is at Q series as well. In the free market of information, people pass along the information they find valuable and useful and true to some degree or another. And then other people see that information. If they don't find it interesting or appealing or true or relevant, they won't pass it on. If they do, they will pass it on. I mean, they're going to respond to other incentives as well. But the primary qualification for information to be moved along in the information environment is whether or not it's true and useful. And so it'll get passed to different levels. Different people will come in contact with it. If people disagree with it, they will express their disagreements and then the position will be further vetted before it is passed along again. And after the information has been passed along for some amount of time, it will begin to reach its truer and better and more relevant form as it's vetted, as people discern the truth, as they figure out what stuff is relevant and what stuff's not, what stuff's accurate and what stuff's not. That's how correct and reliable information comes to exist in the public sphere when there is a free marketplace of ideas. Twitter is proposing something absolutely contrary to that. Twitter is saying that the ideas expressed at all times must be deemed correct and reliable by the authoritative source. And Twitter here is representing the voice of the authoritative source and telling everyone that only correct and reliable information can flow out from the Twitter platform. And of course, they are claiming that the goal of this is not their full control over the narrative. It's that in any situation they imagine for the correct outcome to be reached, they need everybody to agree that what Twitter says, what the authoritative source says is accurate. They are eliminating the free marketplace of ideas in favor of the society wide acceptance of the slogans. Today, we're introducing our crisis misinformation policy, a global policy that will guide our efforts to elevate credible authoritative information and will help to ensure viral misinformation isn't amplified or recommended by us during crises. In times of crisis, misleading information can undermine public trust and cause further harm to already vulnerable communities. Alongside our existing work to make reliable information more accessible during crisis events, this new approach will help to slow the spread by us of the most visible misleading content particularly that which could lead to severe harms. Every single one of the standards they just presented is subjective to be determined by them as a functionary of the authoritative source. And as always, the claim coming from a power source within the communist state, which is exactly what this is, is always presented as saving the least of us. We are actually just trying to protect the people most vulnerable to harm. Now, aside from how ridiculous it is that they're proposing that, it is important to notice that this is the same form that every argument on their side takes. They are always looking out for the most vulnerable. You have to agree with them. Otherwise, you are hurting the most vulnerable. If you continue down that path, you will eventually find at the end of it, there is no explanation other than you are a bigot because you are part of the no-no class. 
They are always attempting to uphold their own power structure by appealing to the notion that they and whoever supports them is actually just helping everyone else. They will never explain their positions based on them personally wanting the outcomes that their positions lead to. Think about how they supported lockdowns. They told you that if you argued, you'd be killing someone's grandmother. Lockdowns pushed hundreds of millions of the world's people into extreme poverty. They destroyed millions upon millions of people's jobs in this country, including, by the way, mine. Those lockdowns led to increases in anxiety and depression and mental illness. They led to increases in drug abuse and domestic abuse and child abuse. They led to suicide. They led to terrible health outcomes. They prevented people from getting cancer screenings and treatments. And absolutely every bit of that was known as possible outcomes prior to the lockdowns. Those are the things that obviously would have happened. And of course, they did happen. While all of the most morally self-righteous people in the world were claiming that lockdowns were a necessity. And anyone who tried to reduce the duration of the lockdown was putting everyone else in harm's way. And they said all of this was done to protect the most vulnerable people. Well, hey, commies, who do you think all the people pushed into extreme poverty were? Those were the most vulnerable people. The people who lost their jobs, those were the most vulnerable people. And of course, all of this was supported by people who could work from home or didn't want to work at all. And up till now, that's worked just fine for them because it turns out that they are not in any way the most vulnerable people. They also quite enjoyed lockdown. They enjoyed staying at home all the time and then occasionally going on vacation. They enjoyed the fact that all of that made it more difficult for Donald Trump to win a second term. And they applauded the fraudulent outcome of the 2020 election for the same reasons. And never once did they stop to think, oh, wow, all of this is actually destroying the lives of the most vulnerable people. They know it. They know it. It's in their face, but they don't put it together. They are still the ones who are constantly looking out for the most vulnerable people, even though everything they support destroys exactly those people. And even worse, it's designed to destroy the most vulnerable people. How else do you achieve outcomes like this? So consistently developing the policy teams at Twitter have worked to develop a crisis misinformation framework since last year, drawing on key input from global experts and human rights organizations. For the purposes of this policy, we define crises as situations in which there is a widespread threat to life, physical safety, health, or basic subsistence. This definition is consistent with the United Nations definition of a humanitarian crisis and other humanitarian assessments. So you got that? You got global experts, you got human rights organizations, and you have the United Nations. So once again, the opinion comes only from globalist institutions. Twitter implements that, and then they say that all of this is for the benefit of the most vulnerable people. Down the line, as we expand our approach, we will enforce around other emergent global crises informed by the United Nations Interagency Standing Committee's Emergency Response Framework and other global humanitarian frameworks. Twitter is telling the world in no uncertain terms that the globalists are going to decide what is true and false and only that which is true can be said on Twitter. It could not be any clearer. You have already seen this week that Twitter's employees consider Twitter a communist organization. They are all commies, according to themselves, addressing the most severe harms. During moments of crisis, establishing whether something is true or false can be exceptionally challenging. 
To determine whether claims are misleading, we require verification from multiple credible publicly available sources, including evidence from conflict monitoring groups, humanitarian organizations, open source investigators, journalists, and more. So once again, they determine what's true and false. They tell you right up front and they tell you who is deciding for them. Conversation moves quickly during periods of crisis and content from accounts with wide reach are most likely to rack up views and engagement. To reduce potential harm, as soon as we have evidence that a claim may be misleading, we won't amplify or recommend content that is covered by this policy across Twitter, including in the home timeline, search and explore. In addition, we will prioritize adding warning notices to highly visible tweets and tweets from high profile accounts, such as state affiliated media accounts, verified official government accounts. They will reinforce the official story and they will suppress anything that conflicts with the official story. And they even admit that they are going to apply these standards as soon as they have evidence that a claim may be misleading. And that's kind of what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop story. They were told that it might be hacked material, and so they immediately took it down. They're giving themselves the ability to take down anything at any time and just have to simply explain it by saying, well, we were worried that it might be misleading. And again, misleading means you're going to draw the wrong conclusion from it. And the wrong conclusion, again, is by their standards and their framework. They're saying they will always err on the side of censorship. If they think something might be wrong, well, that thing goes down. And that's especially important in a time of crisis, isn't it? Some examples of tweets that we may add a warning notice to include false coverage or event reporting or information that mischaracterizes conditions on the ground as a conflict evolves. That means we can't share anything from independent reporters on the ground in Ukraine if those independent reporters say something like, hey, Russia didn't actually execute those soldiers who were surrendering on Snake Island. That just didn't happen. Russia wasn't attacking the Zaporozhia nuclear facility. That just wasn't happening. But if you're a reporter on the ground saying that that stuff wasn't happening, well, you're not allowed on Twitter because you're misleading people about the events on the ground relative to the official story in the central narrative. False allegations regarding use of force, incursions on territorial sovereignty or around the use of weapons. What are they planning for here? Is the UN planning a peacekeeping mission in the United States? Demonstrably false or misleading allegations of war crimes or mass atrocities against specific populations. So we're not allowed to talk about Ukrainian Nazis. We're not allowed to talk about forced medical experimentation that is leading to the deaths and maiming of thousands upon thousands of people across the world and probably millions upon millions. We're not allowed to talk about that these mass atrocities, these crimes against humanity. We're not allowed to talk about the slave trade on the southern border. We're not allowed to talk about human trafficking or child trafficking. We're not allowed to talk about the development of biological weapons in Ukraine funded by our own Department of Defense, facilitated by the fake president's degenerate son. Can't talk about any of that. And their qualifier there is that something is demonstrably false. Well, okay, demonstrate how it's false. And they won't do that. You'll just have some debunkings. You'll get a study. You'll have some articles and you will quickly see that demonstrably false just means that it disagrees with the central narrative. Once again, false information regarding international community response, sanctions, defensive actions or humanitarian operations. So you're not allowed to say anything bad about the international globalist organizations like the U.N., the WHO, the EU, NATO, the World Trade Organization, the World Economic Forum. You can't speak out against any of them because that will qualify as false information regarding international community response. Strong commentary, efforts to debunk or fact check, 
and personal anecdotes or first person accounts do not fall within the scope of the policy. And I'm sure that caveat will be applied equally to both sides. What you'll see on Twitter, tweets with content that violate the crisis misinformation policy will be placed behind a warning notice that looks like this. And they have a picture of the notice. It reads, this tweet violated the Twitter rules on sharing false or misleading info that might bring harm to crisis affected populations. However, to preserve this content for accountability purposes, Twitter has determined this tweet should remain available. You got that? So later they'll hold you accountable for tweeting that information. Everybody's going to see the warning label first. Your tweet will be suppressed in the algorithm but we're not going to get any in any trouble for censoring you because the truth is you violated our policy that allows us to censor anything for any reason. People on Twitter will be required to click through the warning notice to view the tweet and the content won't be amplified or recommended across the service. In addition, likes, retweets and shares will be disabled and the notice will link to more information about our approach to crisis misinformation. So if someone posts their personal experience on the ground in Ukraine, you can't respond to it. You can't like it. You can't retweet it and you can't share it. So they're not censoring it on the way out. They're only censoring it on the way in for everyone else. They're going to make sure that that content stands alone. It's just going to vanish into the wind. It'll be gone in 24 hours and no one will ever think about it again. They are memory holding information in real time. And they are claiming that it is necessary in order to protect vulnerable populations. There is no more vulnerable a population than people who can be censored whenever the people in power want and they have no recourse. That is as vulnerable as you can get. That's why the First Amendment is the First Amendment. It's to make sure the voice of the most vulnerable people cannot be suppressed by the most powerful people, particularly those in government. Content moderation is more than just leaving up or taking down content. And we've expanded the range of actions we may take to ensure they're proportionate to the severity of the potential harm. So once again, a totally subjective measure, they decide how important the event itself is, and then they give themselves more power to censor based on how important the issue is. We've found that not amplifying or recommending certain content, adding context through labels, and in severe cases, disabling engagement with the tweets are effective ways to mitigate harm while still preserving speech and records of critical global events. So what they're saying is on their own terms, they are going to remove ideas from the conversation until events move to the place where they think it's OK for those ideas to become part of the narrative. They're going to suppress along a timeline, certain information. And you can see how this stuff interacts with the world. They will suppress, for instance, the fact that vaccines are not safe and not effective until enough people get vaccinated. And then everybody can talk about it if they want. But all those people who say we're wrong, they're crazy. And either way, it doesn't matter now because everybody's already been injected. So it's not just the censorship. It's about the timeline along which they allow information to come out. But don't worry, it's censorship because they're not preventing you from actually tweeting it. I mean, yeah, it's censorship in the real world, but we're going to allow you to scream into the void as loud as you want. So let's wrap this baby up. While this first iteration is focused on international armed conflict, starting with the war in Ukraine, we plan to update and expand the policy to include additional forms of crisis. The policy will supplement our existing work deployed during other global crises, such as in Afghanistan, Ethiopia and India. And thank goodness. I mean, we wouldn't want to end up like those countries losing our rights and stuff. 
I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!